Some areas just attract different types of buyers and if it falls out quick, it's not normally such a big deal. You're gonna win some, like really win some, you're gonna lose some. Mm -hmm. And we haven't lost yet, but I know it's coming. We'll lose some money on something and it's gonna be like, well, you know, when we talk about the, oh, we, this one was just an amazing deal, it levels out. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. Welcome to the Turning Profit Podcast. Heather, it's so great to be here once again. Yeah, this is going to be a popular one, I think, because people love to hear about failures. <laughs> and we've got a lot of them. No, well, not, not like, too wow, many. That's, Mostly that's positive stuff, but uh -huh. every once in a while, something negative happens in the real estate investing world. And today we are talking about our five worst real estate investments ever. So what a great way to end the year, right? Well, this, for us, <laughs> we're recording this still. We're, we're yes. at the end of 2023, but we're... This is still going to release in 2023, but then we're going to kick off on all kinds of positive stuff for 2024. Oh, so this will this will be before the yeah, year. Yeah, this will okay. be before the end of the year. So yeah. let this inspire you for a good next year. But no one claim next year is yours, and no one say it's going to be a great year, please. Just, yeah. just go into it smooth. and. Well, I'm, an, I'm the eternal optimist, mm -hmm. so I'm always talking about and thinking about the positive and everything like that. But if I'm real with myself, some of the investments that we've made in our past have not been the best investments, and I would probably not make them again. Right. But some of these we had to go through to know. Yeah. And that's the know? thing. You know, uh, we learn from these mistakes, mm -hmm. meaning that when we made a mistake, we tried not to repeat that same thing again. I call them, especially when talking to our kids, like they're lessons, not mistakes. That's true. That's a great way to put it, Heather. And hopefully our lessons will prevent you from your, from making a mistake. That's the big thing. Hopefully you can take a look at what we did and say, nah, that sounds like a lot like the, the deal that Pete botched. So <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> sounds good. Well, should we get started? Yeah. So we've got five of them on the mm -hmm. list here, and then we've got some kind of things to sort of wrap things up. And if you stay till the end as well, we've also cherry picked four different questions from our Land Conquest mm -hmm. community. Some very interesting questions today that we're going to be highlighting at the end and going into those questions in detail. And maybe you should share where, if these questions are of interest to you, where you can see the rest of the conversation. Oh yeah, to see the whole conversations, mm -hmm. to see everything that's going on. And more, and, more questions, and, like, yeah. And our entirely free training program mm -hmm. about land flipping, go to landconquest.com. And you'll see some orange buttons on there. Just click that and sign up. It'll be, it's free and it's fun. Right. You know how people always think of like a free training program or a no cost training program is like, it's probably like kind of junk, you yes. know, really quick and stuff. My favorite thing that I hear about ours is like, this is way intensive. Like this is a lot. And I'm like, is it too much? And they're like, no, but it's not like, I think a lot of people think it might be just kind of, a, oh, I'll just take a look and it's a throwaway one. Yeah. And they're like, wait, this is actually not way. Whoa, this is actually a like a, a complete extensive program that most people sell. That was my goal, to make mm -hmm. it better than the other stuff that's out there that people are selling for thousands of dollars. I know, and we'll benefit too. So it's not like we're just giving it away just for fun. So there's there's a mutual beneficial thing, but check it out. I mean, it, it really is completely free. Have you um, gone through everything? Oh yeah, all of it. No, yeah. I've lived it. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I know, isn't that funny? I should go back through, because I bet you there's stuff I would remember and learn and you know? Yeah, you lived the experience of the creating it. It was mm -hmm. very stressful. Well, not not that stressful, but it was intensive it to was intense. go through it and put it put it together. Yeah, and I think I've learned I've lived the actual stuff in it too, in yes, addition to you. So I've lived it in, in multiple ways, but there's been a lot of people like, man, this is like really, really good stuff. And they've started their whole, you know, side hustle to full hustle, full yep. hustle. I'm like sure. coming up with the random things today. Um so anyways, okay, so that's it uh where again? Landconquest.com. I know we have so many different places to find stuff. Yeah, just so. go to landconquest.com. You'll find everything from there. Okay, good. Okay, so let's get started with this first one. I just want to say, well, that's really funny. I'm looking at your notes. Like, okay. That's, that's uh, interesting. I don't dwell on these. So you're bringing these up and I don't remember any of them because it's, again, it's just like a lesson. But I bet you're embarrassed by this first one. I am embarrassed by it. I forget what I wrote down, but yes. I'm embarrassed <laughs> by all of these. All of my stinker deals, I guess you could call stinker them. Stinker deals. Yeah. So do you want me to sort of go through yeah, it? Yeah, you do. Because okay. like, I'm telling you, I, I let them come, go in and out. I'm okay. Like, 
Pass. I'm over it. <laughs> so this first deal, and, and these are in no particular order. These are all kind of bad in one way or another, you but, <laughs> but they're not terrible. So this first one, was the first one that came to mind for me was this a nine acre piece of land that I bought in Virginia. Okay. So it was a rural part of Virginia. This was a seemingly a pretty decent looking property. You know, it was really sloped. And I'm, I get very cautious about about buying sloped properties now because they're never as worth as much as I thought think they are, they're worth, and they always sell for less than I think they're going to sell for, and everything. This was a sloped property, but I thought we were getting it at such a great price that there was still a lot of room for profit. Mm-hmm. Now we bought this property for twenty four thousand four hundred and twenty three dollars. That was the purchase price, and. What made it kind of crappy was that uh, we only made, after everything, we only made $275 in profit. But there was wow. a profit. There was, it was a profitable deal, just only $275 after all said and, was, uh, said and done. So we ended up getting it under contract for $28,900. So we bought it for $24,423. We got it under contract for $28,900. And yeah, that sounds sounds all right. That sounds like there's thousands of dollars of spread there. But when you consider the commissions and closing costs and everything else that goes into it, that's why we were left with $275. The worst part, Heather, it took us 272 days to sell the property. And I bet this bothers you the most, the days on market and then also the profit because it brought down both of your averages. Yeah. The, see, I do all these calculations and averages and everything, and it does. It messes with my numbers, and it really, really messes. Like, if I have a really good one, then it's completely offset by this crappy one here. Mm-hmm. But isn't uh, that life? Like, you're yeah. going to have – but that's going into this. You're, everyone's going to have a, a stink – property. Yeah. And then everyone's going to have one that they just blow it out of the park. Yep. Yeah. So you do enough deals, uh, you're going to have kind of these ones here and there. Thankfully, these are the anomaly rather than uh, the norm. But on this property, you know, really looking back on it, I know exactly what happened and why, you know, why it was what it, what it was, because it had some, you know, when you look on the map, it has some nice road frontage, it, a lot of road frontage on the property. But what happens, <laughs> what happened is the road frontage is kind of like, almost like a rock wall. Oh, wow. And the photographer went out there and in hindsight, looking at the photos and everything, they they highlighted that, the fact that it's like, it's very difficult to get on this property because it's like a rock wall. Like they cut into this road and into this slope and then there's no way to really get on this property or carve in any sort of driveway. And you could put some sort of ladder up there whatever, to get onto the property, but, but you can't drive a car on there for sure. And... That was what limited us. Everyone was like, well, that looks like a nice property, but I can't get onto the property. And there was no other access from other neighbors or a back road or anything like that to get onto it. So in hindsight, I should have realized that that was a major, major issue and not purchased it in the first place. That's but, a new one, though, because you you don't think of that. You think, well, there's frontage there and we'll just, I mean... Yeah. You just bulldoze it. Like, you don't really think of that. Yeah. I mean, I priced it as a recreational property to begin mm-hmm. with. I mean, it was so cheap. I was like, well, this is a recreational property. And maybe someone's going to buy it for this price because the price is so good. But the problem was that people couldn't even get onto the property, which is to use know, it for kind of, kind of an issue. Kind yeah. Of an issue. So now you, when you look at it, you look at slope and then you also look at, okay, there's access, but is there actual access? Yes. That's like another thing that you've learned to, to look at. Definitely. And beyond just access, like really go deeper into that. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. If you can't walk onto the property, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. It's a problem. Yeah. This next one. So that was, you know, I learned from that one that um, I'm not going to buy those access challenge properties, even though, even though it had road frontage, it Mm -hmm. fooled me kind of. I just should have looked deeper into it. Or super sloped. Super sloped is even at a cost. Yeah, exactly. The next one, uh, this was not a land flip. This was another investment that we did. This was actually, it would be my failure. I found this property. Oh, okay. Well, didn't want to highlight that, but as long (laughs) as you do bring it up, Heather's biggest failure in real estate investing was? Um, I bought a motel in Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) And we still own a hotel, a motel in Wisconsin. Yeah, motel. Sorry. Yeah, we still own that Uh uh, in Wisconsin. Listen, the previous owner is very nice. Mm -hmm. I loved the vision. I loved everything about it. It sounded like a fantastic project. And I think it still could be a fantastic project. But, it is, yeah. But what I learned is that I personally do not want to own a motel in Wisconsin. No, I don't want to run a motel in Wisconsin. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a different business. It's not like 
I mean, you're really starting a whole new business. You're not just renovating and then, no, I just, I realize that, do you want to run a motel in Wisconsin? No, no. I mean, you've got, you've got to deal with all these things. You've mm-hmm. got to hire a front office staff. Mm-hmm. You've got to hire housekeeping. You've got to have maintenance staff. You've got to have all these things happening and you got to have someone to manage it. You got to get all these different pieces uh, go into this. And it sounded like a great fun project at the time. Right. You know, we weren't as busy with the land flipping. Mm-hmm. We were busy, but not like this to busy this, Right. Now. I think if we lived nearby, I would do it. It would be awesome. Yeah. Because um, that my biggest concern is that like everyone gets sick and no one's running it. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't just like I can jump on a plane to Wisconsin, but where it's at, I have to fly into a major airport and then either drive in or take another, you know, like another flight to closer. There's no direct flights. If I'm going to take full responsibility, I would jump in and do the housekeeping. I do whatever. Not that I'm excited to do that kind of stuff, but. If you're going to have it, you owe it to your guests that, you know, stuff's running and like there's no contingency staff. Like there's no way for me to get out there that quick, you know, if people get sick or I don't know, right. anything, you know, there's no like, oh, there's a leak. It's OK. I'll come over real quick. Like, no, mm-hmm. you're at the whim of anybody. And what we learned is that it's not necessarily very easy to find people to to do work and employees also just repairs and stuff. And, and remodeling has been hard to find people. Want to learn the secret to building a thriving land flipping business? Head on over to landconquest.com and join over 2,000 passionate land flippers leveraging the power of community to scale quickly. Sign up for free at landconquest.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, yeah, the, the, you know, we got bids for renovations and everything coming in way higher than what we thought they were. Uh, availability of contractors mm-hmm. is another big issue that we were running into. We just don't have the local context. I'm sure someone has got great contra- exactly. contacts and mm-hmm. could get this all done really quickly. Us being out of town and living in California, it's a whole different deal. Plus, we've got these other businesses that are taking 150% of our time. So it just we're tired not too. feasible. So yeah. if anyone wants to buy a motel, in Wisconsin, please let me know. Yeah, it's we, ha- we got have a good one. deal for you. We do, it's not for sale, but it is for sale. Yeah, it's not really a motel. It's a, it's a collection. It's a house, which is a duplex house, mm-hmm. and a collection of sixteen uh, miniature cabins. And in a tourist area, it's a great location. Mm-hmm. So it's really really cool. I just see someone who can see the vision and then do it. I think you need to be either you need to have a really good national team, or you need connections there, or you're willing to you're handy and you're willing to go out there. Yeah, that would be another great. Because Great, uh, use case, it's really cool, and the little town is super cool. And I don't know, it's like we don't want to part with it. I mm-hmm. think that's what the issue is. Like we'll do it, we'll do it, and then we're like. So so far for us, this has just been a, uh, I guess you could call it a money pit because we don't. We had some tenants in there when we bought the property. We you know moved on from the. Ten- they were on month to month leases, and it just wasn't. You know we weren't comfortable with the condition of the property and the tenants were living there, and in, in the you know it needed renovations. So right, we weren't, we weren't comfortable with that. So we were mm-hmm. like, hey, let's you know. If you guys can find something else, we're going to renovate the properties and, you know, that type of thing. So, so basically we've been, it's all money out, no money in. Right. So anyways, so that's for sale. Um, yeah, that's my biggest real estate. (laughs) Will we lose money on it? Probably when you consider all of our expenses and everything like that, probably, but Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure we can sell it for what we paid for it because we got a good deal on it. But, but that, um, buying that has actually saved us a lot of money because over this past year, we've had a lot of opportunities that have been good opportunities actually. And I'll say to you, do we want to start a new business? Yes. Yes. And that's because that's exactly what we, we ask ourselves now. And then it's a hard no, because Mm -hmm. we have businesses that need our, you know, attention and, and so we learned that um, we learned an important lesson. So it'll save us money in the long run. Just a little embarrassing, but whatever. I'm not embarrassed by that one. It is what it is. I'm disappointed. Yeah. Because I really want to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've owned it for two years now. Have we really? Mm-hmm. Anyways, okay. <laughs> moving on. Let's talk about something. Maybe selling in January or February. Yeah. We'll let's, see. Let's talk about something, um, a bad purchase of yours. So I feel better oh, okay. about myself. All right. So let's go into one of Pete's mm-hmm. failures. Okay. So this one, next one was a seven and a half acres in North Carolina. We bought this property for $19,028. Mm-hmm. We sold it for $24,000 and we held it for 258 days. That's a long time. Now, we ended up with a profit, a, a grand total of $563 like in profit. Roll, yeah. <laughs> so here's what happened on this one. This one on the surface, it looked like a great deal. It was in a really cool location, road frontage. But when I looked at it initially on the maps, there was all these trees on there. We sent the photographer out there and it had been timbered, meaning like clear cut by a company that does logging and stuff like that. 
They left the property, I didn't realize it at the time, but they left the property in pretty crappy condition. Meaning lots of stumps, lots of debris. Like some of these timber companies, they do a really good job of cleaning up and they're very professional mm-hmm. and everything. This one that did this property, big ruts in the property, lots of stumps, lots of debris all over the place. So it kind of looked like a wasteland. Mm-hmm. There was, it was bad. That was one big thing. The other thing, and I should have, when I saw the photos, I should have really paid more attention to it and thought, well, I figured I was getting it for a really good deal. So I was like, okay, this will still work. But I should have paid more attention to how poor condition it was left in. The other thing was that it actually failed a perk test. <laughs> so so we had people interested in right away for, you know, making a decent profit, but failed the perk test. And then they're like, well, what are we going to do with it? Mm-hmm. That was what happened on that one. You know, I should have got the perk test done before we purchased it. How'd um, that happen? Because normally we do. Uh, this is a seven and a half acre property. So it was like, well, normally a seven and a half acre property, if it's wooded and everything, it can be a recreational property. Mm-hmm. If it's not, then, you know. And you thought the whole time that it had decent. Well, I thought it yeah. initially and it just kind of slipped through the cracks. And I was like, well, let's just close. I figured it was a good enough deal that we'd mm-hmm. still make money on it, whether it failed a perk or test or not. But we did end up selling it for a profit. But like I said, only $563. Well, you brought a lot after of shame all, to us. I know, for this after one. 258 days. And so what was the lesson? The lesson was really to take into consideration about the timbering thing. I really, mm-hmm. at that point in time, I didn't really fully grasp the impact of that. Mm-hmm. You know, especially the the variance in like how well was it timbered or what kind of condition the property was left in. So if it had trees and it had looked in better shape, then people would have wanted it recreationally regardless because right. it would have felt like for whatever they do, hunting or four wheelers, four whatever, wheel, whatever mm-hmm. then it would have been inside because who wants to do it in a wasteland? Mm-hmm. Well, there you can't really hunt in that really because right. animals aren't going to come to it. And then the other thing, thank goodness, had to mentioned my own little morality there <laughs> but also yeah it's like you're not gonna and also you can't four-wheel if there's like little big holes everywhere and yeah tree stumps i mean you probably i mean the person that bought it probably had to get a bulldozer and really kind of smooth it out and clean it up and mm-hmm. put in put in extra work for it for sure i want to say it is pretty pretty rare that an acre that large i mean an acre a property that large can't find anywhere to perk mm-hmm. like that's yeah. pretty crazy so maybe they got a little more creative and yeah i think the issue was there that the soil was okay, but the groundwater was too high in that area. Oh, that's interesting. So when they drill a hole, drill a hole, you know, water. it fills up with water right away. <laughs> so, well, which is good and bad. Yeah, you know, people like that, but also people don't like that. That's interesting. So that is kind of a rare thing. So, but it, now to mitigate that, we it's part of our thing. We wouldn't close without a perk, or would yeah, we? for the most part, unless I'm very confident that it's mm-hmm. fine as a recreational property. Right. Okay. So we just make sure that there's a backup plan mm-hmm. for it if it if it fails. Yep. Yep. So, okay. So next one, uh, that was uh, three of the five worst deals. We've got mm-hmm. two more to go here. This one was two acres. This was in North Carolina as well. Mm-hmm. This this one really bugged me. The big kicker was that we held this property for 571 days. My gosh. I know. I know. How's I mean, we possible? try to, on average, be under 90 days hold time. Mm-hmm. So how was it possible in this situation? Did it fall in and it out? It fell of out of contract three times. Right, yeah. Like fell out of contract three times. And then the fourth time was a charm. Not the third time in this situation. The fourth time is a charm. We bought this property for seventeen six ninety one. Mm-hmm. Seventeen thousand six ninety one. We initially listed the property for thirty nine thousand nine hundred and we got a buyer. Uh, under contract at that full price or very close to it, maybe 37,000, something like that. Mm -hmm. They wasted a ton of time. In hindsight, we shouldn't have let it go. We should have really forced the issue and, 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 and pushed them. But, you know, I think they wasted maybe three or four months under contract. So they just and kept then, asking because we would never agree to that. Right. Typically, we're, we're very kind of strict about that. But they were doing one of these land and mm. and home loans. It's like a manufactured like home. A wrap and, kind of thing, yeah. yeah. And they're notoriously take a long time. And mm-hmm. I knew that from the beginning that it was going to take a long, long time. But I figured we, we got a good sale price. The profit was there. It was worth it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I kept thinking this was still going to happen. Eventually, it did not happen. Mm-hmm. So then we had to start at square one. We didn't get the type of activity after when we put it back on the market. So we had to keep lowering the price. We found a new buyer. They'd waste some time. 
you know, it was just, I don't know what it was. Just every once in a while, you get a property that's got bad luck like that. So we kept on Did, was going a, through buyers. Was there a common reason it kept falling no, out? No, actually, we got a perk test. It was We paid for the perk test, so we got that out of the way. Mm-hmm. So there was no other issues that I, I was ever made aware of. It was like buyer financing issues and things. Some areas just attract different types of buyers, and financing could be harder. But I think it's interesting because if it falls out, if it falls out quick, it's not normally such a big deal. Mm-hmm. If it falls out after an extensive period of time, people think like this is, you know, there's been it's some a huge sort bummer. of, yeah. yeah, there's something bad or like, oh yeah, that one fell out. It was an escrow for a long time and fell out, whatever it is. I don't understand that, but we've actually gotten some deals um, on properties and stuff before in the past that have, that's happened and that, you know, have fallen and out and fallen and out. And those people are just, the sellers are exhausted. They're done. Yeah, yeah, they're ready like, to move on. Just give me something. And this is in houses normally. And it's because of this exact thing. So it's, we're on the other side of it this time. Yeah. So on this one, I ended up actually, you know, like I said, we we got it pretty close to the list price at $39.9 initially. And then we ended up selling it for $24.9, which was way lower. We made a total of $2,594 in profit. Mm-hmm. Kicker was, though, that 571 days of hold time. Just painful. That's like a year and a half. Almost. That's like a year and a half. That's I know. terrible. That's ridiculous. That's my longest hold out of any of these properties that we designated as a short-term flip. And the thing is that it's um, the, you know, the contract sale price is still, you know, a decent amount above what you bought it for, mm-hmm. theoretically. But the problem is that you wanted to sell it for, you know, the high 30s. And so when you look at that percentage-wise, you ended up discounting it a like oh yeah, huge amount. a huge maybe the dollar doesn't look like it, but those aren't huge dollars. Like if we were talking a, an extra zero there, you'd have felt it. Yeah, or everyone would feel it. There's a big difference between, you know, buying it for seventeen thousand, whatever, buying it one hundred seventy thousand. You know. Yeah. Well, that sucks. What yeah. was the? What was the? I mean, was there any lesson on that one other than sometimes you just it's bad luck? Well, I should have stayed more on top of the, what was happening with that first buyer. Wait, did I tell you like no more? Like normally when I hear about those ones, I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm very- you're a lot kinder <laughs> than I am. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm very skeptical about those land and home mm-hmm. loan type deals. Which sucks because it's a great thing for this, the buyer. Yeah, I think there's a couple companies out there and I'm not going to name them. But mm-hmm. There's a couple companies out there that are kind of notorious for stringing sellers along with that. And, and buyers. And buyers as well. You know? Yeah. So maybe their initial qualifications aren't really mm-hmm. extensive and maybe they don't have a good process in place to mm-hmm. to make these happen quickly. But And maybe they're kind of that, we'll find someone to buy this knowing they won't, but they're like, well, maybe we still will. You know what I mean? Like right. there's a little bit of shadiness, even if it's legal. Yeah. So, you know, those companies, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some really good ones out there. There's a couple that I know of that are not the best. So... Anytime we see an offer with those not the best ones, we're very skeptical. <laughs> right. So you just do a little more. You don't say no necessarily, but you do yeah, a little more research. And, exactly. Yeah. And keep them very tight to the timelines as much as we can. That's the most important takeaway. Mm-hmm. Like, not going to say no to it, but those timelines need to work for both parties. And the sooner that you say no, it'll either happen or it won't. You know That's what right. I mean? That's the reality. That's right. It'll either happen or it won't. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, that was yeah. deep. Yeah. You can quote me on that. <laughs> so our fifth worst deal, Heather. I can't um, wait to hear this one. So this one, I did think that it was going to be a really solid deal. Like I, I figured we'd be able to double our money. And I remember after, you know, as we were buying this, you're like, are you sure this is a good deal? Did <laughs> and I? And you never really asked that. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is a really good one. And you're like, okay. Did I just jinx it or was that a I don't a know pre- if you jinxed it or not. You never asked me um, that. You just, you trust me. But yeah, on, I don't, on this I don't. one, <laughs> I really thought it was going to be a great deal. But it, how, how big? Oh, 16 acres. Yeah, so this is a 16-acre property in Pennsylvania. We bought it for $76,822. The deal is with this one is it was beside, it was a large property kind of beside an established subdivision. Mm -hmm. Now this was supposed to be, this is a subdivision that was developed in the 80s. So this was supposed to, I think it was the 80s. I think, and this was supposed to be like phase two of the subdivision. So there was actually an approved subdivision. It was supposed to be divided up into all these different parcels with the cul-de-sacs and roads and everything going through it. And I was like, okay, great. I am just going to sell this to a developer. Had all the utilities there. I figured it would be easy to just get that subdivision map updated. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd pay an engineering firm to just get it updated. And then I would be able to sell it for a lot more money. See, now you had me. So I, I, I remember this kind of, and I remember you telling me all that. I was like, oh, this is a no-brainer, right? Yeah. I shouldn't say no-brainer. I don't like saying that. I don't know why it's offensive <laughs> to people without brains. But anyways. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people out there. <laughs> but, 
Okay, go on now. Yeah, so I'll tell you how it worked out. You're right, there First were a lot of, all, of mistakes. Yeah, we ended up selling this eventually for $92,000, okay? So we bought it for 76800 sold it for $92,000. But we had a lot of commission, closing costs, and, and expenses, so we ended up with $4,333. Doesn't sound horrible, but we, we had the property for 339 days, which is nearly a year, which is very, very painful for me. Like physically painful. <laughs> so, but uh, so to go further into the story about what happened and what went wrong and how I messed up. I feel like I need popcorn. Boost your land flipping earnings with our new Land Conquest business system. It's designed for efficiency and effectiveness. This cutting edge software tool is your key to success in the land flipping industry. Streamline and automate your operations to scale your business to new heights. With our system, you get a customizable website with six professional templates to choose from, up to five dedicated phone numbers, each with their own chosen area codes for creating a trustworthy local presence. And as a bonus, you'll get a $25 credit for SMS and email sends. You'll also get access to our tech team to build any automations or customizations that you want. And not to mention, we've got a great dedicated community to the Land Conquest business system to help us all thrive together. And with every step of the way, you get our 24-7 live chat support. But that's not all. You'll also gain access to our exclusive community to connect and grow with fellow land flippers. Seize the opportunity to transform your business. Visit software.landconquest.com to check out the Land Conquest business system and unlock the next stage of your land flipping success. So uh, we closed on the property. And what I should have done is before we closed, I should have really dug into this done better due diligence. Mm -hmm. When we closed on the property, I started calling around to the engineering companies in the area, and I was like, hey, how long to get this map updated, the subdivision updated? And they kept hearing, well, it's more extensive than that. They may not let you have the same density as they had before. We're going to have to redo all this and everything like that. And come to find out, it was probably going to cost me as much in engineering costs and everything, and which was as much as we paid for the property. Mm -hmm. So like $75,000. I was like, I don't want to do that. You were thinking you know? like 10 grand. Yeah, I figured it would be easy, maybe 20 and, grand, something mm -hmm. like that. And then we'd be able to sell for three, 400,000. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. And <laughs> so, and then they, they also told me that it could take a long time and they might have challenges that come up and all these different things. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sell it to a, another builder that can do that process. They can set up the subdivision the way they want it. We're not going to make as much, but we'll still make money. I figure we could still double our money. So I found out who was the supposedly the top agent in the area that had all kinds of builder contacts and everything. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. So I hired this guy. He was nice. He talked a lot. Little action. You know, so he told me he had all the best builder contacts and, you know, all these people he's known forever. This would be easy. I sell it before it even right. hits the market. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, yeah, all this kind of stuff. But bottom line is he didn't get it sold. He was all talk. He list, We listed it for, I think, $299 at first and then $249, then $199, then $149. We kept on going down. We kept on going down. So we're chasing it down. Okay, yeah, awesome. one of the big things that really upset me was that he finally got it listed and he had it listed with one picture. And I was like, oh, my God, like one picture? Like I, I send him all these photos and everything that we had taken from our photographer. And I'm like, you can use all these photos. And then when he listed, he listed with one photo. And it was probably on the market a few days or so before I noticed it. And I'm like, hey, come on, put the more photos up. It's like, oh, you know, I like to list them, you know, to keep people guessing. And like <laughs> completely old school type mentality. It's you know what I mean? Too, yeah. yeah, it's untrue. It was just he was being lazy. Did your stomach drop right then? You were like, we're screwed. I'm optimistic. So I had faith in the guy that he was going to do what he told me he was going to do. Anyhow, he didn't get it done. Well, so, and 30, 339 days later, Pete. Finally realized. Yeah, well, um, his listing was up at six months because we only signed uh, six-month listing agreements for situations like that's this. That's still long. Right. It's a long time. Like, I want to have things mm -hmm. sold, you know, well within six mm -hmm. months. But if the guy was working it and I was just way off on my pricing or something like that, well, you don't we'd want to punish him for that. Yeah. So in this case, I was like, I knew another agent that doesn't specialize in these types of properties but can handle that area that gets things sold for me. Mm-hmm. He let me know that where, where we had to list it at in order to get it sold, we listed it at that. 
and he got it sold. So after the six-month mark, you gave it to the other? I gave it to an agent that I had faith in that sold numerous other properties for me. When before. you um, told the original guy you weren't renewing, was he like, oh, like he still was like trying to work you or was he like whatever? Yeah, he was going to try to work me. Like he kept on leaving. Like I'm hard to get on the phone sometimes. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of things going. He would, kept, he would always be, try to call me. Mm-hmm. Right. And I could never answer because I've got stuff going on. And he's like, call me back. And I and I didn't want to like call him back like right away because this every time I got on the phone it was a half an hour conversation about, about nothing. So mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm being mean here, but I don't have I don't have time for these long conversations when we can just, you know, do it in an email and and, and get it solved. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I knew he was gonna try he was he was gonna try to like talk me into it and I didn't I wasn't gonna do that, but eventually he just was just like whatever. So <laughs> yeah, it just wasn't working. And like there was a little personality conflict a little bit. I'm very easy to get along with. You know me, right? Mm-hmm. But I was getting a little tired of the BS. Right. It was He say. was trying to like work you. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of like, because this isn't like an emotional thing. It's not like he's trying to find us our dream home. Right. It was just like, hey, these numbers aren't working. Are you sh-? like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. So, okay. So we get with a new agent and then what happens? And then we ended up getting it sold. Um, we <laughs> sold it for 92000 So after all of this, mm-hmm. we ended up making $4,333 profit. How, how, okay. So six months that's like, okay, so did you get an offer pretty quickly? Did you still have to keep producing it? Or when you relisted it, what, what did that look like? Do you remember? Yeah, I think maybe we relisted it at 129, mm-hmm. 30 days maybe at that price. And then we list, and then we reduced it to 99. Mm-hmm. And then we got an offer at 90. And we got an uh, offer at a little less. And we negotiated it to 92,000. Mm-hmm. And then there was the contract period of probably 45 or 60 days in order to actually get it closed. So that's kind of where the 339 days comes in. We had it at 180 with the initial guy. Actually, it took him a little while to list the property, too. So it was probably we owned it close to probably 200 days by the time he was Mm -hmm. done with it. And then, you know, the balance is is the other agent that sold it. Okay, so So. this was like a real estate professional failure. Mm -hmm. Didn't do enough due diligence beforehand failure. Correct. Well, you just suck. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, it was I mean, overconfident. I mean, on the surface, it seemed like an amazing deal. It was a great spot. The location was great. It just made sense. But then we, you realize, too, when you deal with some municipalities that they, common sense isn't like, right. there's none of that, which plus, is frustrating. Yeah. Plus, the timing was every, a lot of the builders got really mm. um, apprehensive because the interest rates were going up then. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of waiting to take on new projects because they wanted to see how things were going to shake out. They didn't know if the market was going to crash or who knows what was going to happen. So I think there was a lot of that involved at that point. Too. I understand that. So it probably took out a bunch of would have been the better buy or better mm-hmm. buyers, the quicker buyer, whatever. Yeah. That, that all makes sense. I mean, and, and so, and also a lot of people think, okay, like California, it's way different building than in Arkansas. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and, and sometimes you, it, it surprises you in an area you think will be easy and it's not necessarily easy yeah. or, or timeline. So really, okay. So next time we just have to make sure if we're going to do something like that, we need to do some calls and figure something out beforehand to figure out what we're really getting into. Yeah. Would you have bought this still maybe at a different price or what, or would you just, there's a price I would definitely buy that, mm-hmm. that property at, um, that wouldn't make sense. You know, like say we did all of our due diligence like we were mm-hmm. supposed to. Yes, I would definitely have, have purchased it at a, at a lower price, mm-hmm. not the price that we paid for it. And maybe we would have been like, okay, so it's going to take us a year to do this or something. And it might not be like kind of pushed it along a little bit more. And we maybe could have paid not that much, but more than you're probably thinking. And been like, it's going to be a three year project. Right. I, I really like the idea of us getting more, taking some of these projects farther than we do. Yep. And knowing they're not quick flips. Yeah, th- there's a lot more upside if you're willing to hold some of these mm-hmm. longer and put in put in some additional investment into mm-hmm. it. So, yeah. And also selling it at the right time because some of them we could look at and say, okay, let's hold this. Like we know going into it, we're not going to, it's going to be three to five years. And when the market starts to, you know, when builders are building more, whatever that that would be. Yeah, but, yeah we'll be all teed up and ready however, to go. However, yeah. having said that, that's, do you want to start another business? And that's yeah. exactly what it is. And that's what stops me every single time because it sounds so, you know, it Sounds like it makes, and, yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, so mm-hmm. we either hire someone dedicated on our team that just specializes in that, mm-hmm. manages these longer projects like that, or uh, we don't do them <laughs> for right now. Right. And I think for right now, we're, we're maxed at the short term. Yeah. 
Um, until we can bring on, you know, more people that are specially trained, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. That was fun. Um, okay. So what about just, um, I, you have some overreaching your, our biggest real estate investing mistakes that yes. aren't necessarily project specific, but it's something that we always refer back to whenever anyone asks us and it's having been through, you know, we, we started in 2000 real estate, right? So almost 24 years. That's okay. insane. All right. What have we learned over the years? Or what, what have been some mistakes? Some of the biggest mistakes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the biggest one that I always think about is that when the market crashed in 2008, that mm-hmm. was like a generational opportunity in order to acquire real estate. Mm-hmm. But it did the opposite for us. Like we were involved in real estate investing before the market crashed. Mm-hmm. When the market crashed, we were like, we're out. <laughs> right. So, it was scary. It was, you know. Yeah. So we, we didn't have the life experience at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew... I knew that all these properties were great deals and everything like that. I didn't know how long it would take to recover, like any of that stuff. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like I knew they were great deals. Mm-hmm. And if we would have been sitting on a bunch of cash to actually buy these properties and everything, we would have done it. But in hindsight, I could have found the money. Right. But I didn't even try. Right. Well, we were so. focused on more short term and... We were just focused on paying the bills at that time, really. Right. You know? like, and... And, um, and our kids were little and right. but um, we were helping other people like you're, you specifically were helping investors buy those deals yeah. and I thought it was interesting because one that you worked with you worked with quite a few but one of them that kind of stuck or jumped out at me was they kind of did that whole segment thing like they were like okay these are going to be quick flip, flips and then these ones are going to be rentals and they held them yep. to who knows what I mean here we are 15 years later whatever years later they have these houses that have probably doubled, maybe even more. Yeah, some of them, of them tripled. Right. Mm-hmm. And this was Southern California. So, I mean, I've seen that meme where it's like, what was your biggest mistake? Um, being in eighth grade in 2008. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and not yeah. being able to buy a property. Like, yeah, I, I get that. It is what it is. But it's but you nailed it that we could have found money. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that wasn't an issue, but we were, like, too nervous to do that. Right. Because we saw how quickly everything could change. And we were seeing people that it wasn't just, like, losing their house. They were losing, like, their jobs, their everything. And yeah. It's kind the of, whole economy was, like, kind of falling apart. So we were kind of like, wow, well, mm-hmm. we just need to survive at this point. Right. So. And we were super, super busy with the REOs. And there's so much that goes into it. We've talked about that before. But um, it's shocking when you're there with, like, a sheriff to help mm-hmm. people get, you know what I mean? You're like, oh. yeah, yeah. Like evictions happening uh-huh. everywhere and people losing their homes. It's just a different time, you know? Yeah. But. It's, and there weren't the safeguards that there are now mm-hmm. to some extent. I've noticed that, that, you know, during COVID and stuff, they, there were a lot more support systems for the communities. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, and then the other one was, goes along the same way or the same lines. Yeah. Well, staying out of the market too long. Mm-hmm. So we stayed out way too long. Mm-hmm. You know, the signals, the market was recovering and everything like that, but we have, we had gotten out of kind of the, the habit of real estate investing. We were focused on our other business and we should have been really diving back into real estate investing at that time. So we yeah. stayed out too long. Mm-hmm. Or even just doing when taking the extra money for, that we we're making from the one business and slowly using that to buy real estate. Like yeah. we didn't have to jump all the way in. I think a lot of people do that and they're they're more they want to be like hands off where it's it's a lot better to be hands on with this because you understand it and you can get more deals. Like doctors are, are notorious for that. Like mm-hmm. They might be finally making that money after all the years of not making money. And now they've got the high income coming in and like, well, what do we do with it? Yep. You know, that's, this is the perfect kind of thing for them. So lots of mistakes today. We're talking about all the, all the different <laughs> mistakes, you know, thankfully on all these deals, uh, we haven't lost any money so far. At Knock least that, that motel. This you know, is not wood, we'll but see. we'll pretend. Yeah. This is like concrete. Yeah, I know. I know. None of the land deals have we lost money, which I think is that says something. And and again, I went into this knowing, you know, way back when you're going to win some like really win some, you're going to lose some. Mm -hmm. And we haven't lost yet, but I know it's coming. Right. We'll lose some money on something and it's going to be like, well, you know, when we talk about the oh, we this one was just an amazing deal. It's, you know, it levels out. Yeah. The aggregate is very, uh, very profitable. Right. And that's exactly what you you need to remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess the next segment. Oh, yeah. That, I'm like, what? I knew there was something missing. We're missing something. Kind of looking at me. And yeah, I was the like, next segment here, we're going to go into the questions that we cherry picked from the Land Conquest community. Now, these were, I tried to really stump Heather on these questions today. And. Oh, wow. Okay. Thanks for that. Really? No, I didn't try to say. Uh, I'm just messing around with you. Oh, I'm like. Now, these are all good questions. And, uh, you know. There's a lot of questions that happen in the community, and we try to participate in there, um, you know, answering questions and things. Mm-hmm. But 
when we see some cool ones, we'll highlight them and, and bring them over on the podcast here as well. I was struggling. I have a new like thingy for my phone. I broke off the other one. That's what it oh, was. Okay. So don't right. don't mind me. I'm not having some sort of issue here. Well, I am. Um, okay. So Joseph asked training program. I'm wondering what is the standard on EMD earnest money deposit upon signing the purchase agreement. Is there a reason not to pay for the seller signing consideration for the agreement? I.e., does the document have a firmer legal footing? Or is it not important? I expected to see something on the level five signing the purchase agreement that folks talk about. Any trends on what are uh, most are asking for seller accepting on days to close? So earnest money deposit, this is basically when you sign a contract and you agree to send a deposit to the closing company to kind of solidify that deal. Now, in land flipping, very few land investors do a, an earnest money deposit. Very few land investors have that in their actual contract. Some do, but we don't. Mm-hmm. And we've rarely had any sort of a seller ask us for that. It, ha- it comes up every once in a while. You know, a savvier seller will say, hey, can you put some earnest, earnest money deposit down? Basically, these earnest money deposits are, are worthless anyhow because they're completely refundable during the whole um, due diligence phase of the, of the contract, which for us is the whole entire you know contract length so if you're interested in a really a solid contract then you probably want to use the state specific contract for that particular area that you're buying in these contracts that we use are very basic if you're you know if someone wants to get out of it they probably can but in most cases you're dealing with a seller that wants to sell the property you want to buy the property so it, it comes together and it does specifies the terms but we never include earnest money deposits in any of our our purchase agreements Right. As the person has to send the wires, that would really... It's a pain. Yeah. It would be a lot. And I think a lot of times it's used in houses because it proves you have at least that, you know, you're putting that deposit kind of down. It's Mm -hmm. different. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes you've Mm -hmm. got people that are moving and and Mm -hmm. all kinds of things that go along with that. Yeah. So it's a little different, um, but this is the goal. And also these close pretty quick. Mm -hmm. The goal is to close it pretty quick. So yeah. And most people don't. And it's, it's more experienced buyers of like, wait, in certain States too. Like when are, aren't you supposed to do that? Yeah. Sure. Whatever. Okay. Dave says fake checks versus (laughs) what fake checks versus two page offer. Has anyone used the fake check that REI print mail offers? I was talking to them and he was really pushing this fake check with the blind offer amount printed on it, just seeing if it has been more or less successful than the standard two-page blind offer used in the course. It looks like with their pricing, it is $0.79 cents per check sent and a dollar per two-page letter. Thoughts? Okay, well, first of all, we use Rocket Print and Mail. And if you are interested in getting a special deal with Rocket Print and Mail, we've got uh, a link for all of our students on the, if you just go to resources dot landconquest.com and you'll see Rocket Print and Mail towards the top, all the top, um, land investors that I know are using them. They've got great pricing and they have awesome customer service. So check them out if you are interested in, in getting a good deal on your mail. So Rocket Print and Mail, they also do this as well if you want mm-hmm. them to. But uh, what he's talking about is that these fake checks and you, uh, you may have gotten them for some sort of promotional mail or whatever. So they have a thing where you can actually, it's, like it looks like a real, real it's, yeah. it's like, it looks like a real check and it's like made out in the amount of the offer amount that you send for this property. And you know, I've known land investors that have tried that, mm-hmm. um, but they've run into problems like really angry sellers, like going to the bank and trying to cash these checks and getting calls from the bank and, and things like that, like all kinds of things like that happening. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I don't know, it's like anything with marketing. If you want to test it and see mm-hmm. if that produces a better result, you can do that. I don't know that anyone, any uh, land investors that I know of that are doing that on a regular basis, maybe they work that into their, their rotation of mailing or something like that. But I think you're probably going to not scare off, but you're probably going to push away potential mm-hmm. sellers. It seems that are, scammy. Yeah, it seems scammy. I mean, it, it would catch your attention. Some people are like, oh, it seems real then, right? But yeah, I think that it would scare off some people that it's scam, or some people think like that they're, they're buying it. They mm-hmm. send me this check. It's like, yeah. So I think you have a lot of those calls probably too. Yeah. Like don't send me, I'm, I'm not selling it because they'd be confused. You know, I used to work in banking years and years ago. And remember those were very common with remember, like they would send you an actual check for like switching your landline oh, long yes. distance or something uh-huh. like that, you know? Okay. So there was that, but then there were some that would send it and it would be like right across. It would say, not a real check contact us for whatever. And people would, deposit them all the time <laughs> like at the you know atm and stuff and then you'd have to and then they would spend the money it, it was just like yeah so maybe that just would be attracting the wrong people possibly yeah okay but yeah give it a try maybe in the area you're going to that would work mm-hmm. let us know yep 
Let us know. It never hurts to try. And you could send me a real check. Okay, sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, Jack says inventory. How many lots do you keep on hand for inventory? Okay, so Jack, what we do is we only off. No, just kidding. We don't want inventory. Do you yeah. want inventory? No, I don't want inventory. No. But if you're going to be buying and selling a lot of properties that we do, like okay. we do, yeah. you're going to end. You're always going to have inventory. You're going to have a subset of inventory that is under contract to be resold, and that contract period, you know, generally you're anywhere from the low end, like two weeks to two months. You know, this this contract period, so you've got a certain amount of your inventory sitting in that phase, mm-hmm. then you've got the properties that you are actively marketing. And I would like to say that as soon as you purchase a property, it's going to be instantly under contract and sold. But sometimes properties take a while to market and uh, and sell. So, And I've noticed that it, they, they both come in spurts. Mm-hmm. It's the weirdest thing ever. Like you can have a property that's le- you know been on there longer than you'd like it to be. And then all of a sudden, multiple ones will go into under contract at the same time. Yeah. But what's more important, and maybe this is what um, they were amounting or, or kind of leaning towards, is it's about the pipeline. Are you looking for funding for your land flipping deal? Then head on over to partnerwithpete.com. It's an innovative new funding program where we split the profits with you 50-50, but we take it one step further and we handle every other step of the process in the land flipping business. Yes, that means we handle all the due diligence. If the property needs any value add like clearing brush, perk test, survey, we'll get that paid for up front. Then when the property resells, we split the profits 50-50. There is absolutely no downside for you as an investor. If we lose money, we don't pass that on to you. But when we make money, when we make profit, we split the proceeds 50-50. So as a recap, we handle every part of the process. We split the profits with you 50-50. There's no downside for you as the investor, only upside. So go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and we'll get it checked out within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what matters, not the inventory. It's like you got to keep it like, okay, you buy it. Great. Now what are you negotiating? You have to keep that going or you're going to have hard stops. We've got a lot of properties currently in our inventory. Mm-hmm. So do you know how many? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, good. I, yeah. I don't. Do you want me to say? No, no, I don't really care. Okay. I just think it's funny. I was like, I don't know how many. I know a dollar amount because that's what I track. But uh-huh. I don't know the yeah, well, we track that too, like the amount of equity we've got in our portfolio mm-hmm. and everything like that. So it's a... Uh, yeah, so we've got a lot of properties that we're marketing right now and a good amount of properties that are under contract to be resold. Yeah, and then what we also aren't taking into account is that we have ours and then we have the partner with Pete ones too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's also, do you want to talk about that really quick? Oh, partner with Pete. Yeah, mm-hmm. so if you haven't heard, the partner with Pete program is a unique funding program. So basically, we work with investors that find a deal. You know, they get a property under contract. And as soon as they have that property under contract, they go to the site partnerwithpete.com, submitted on there, all the details on there, and instantly we're notified and we look into this property. If it's a deal and it matches our criteria, then we've got some basic criteria that we've got on there. We will agree to fund the deal, meaning we basically take the baton and run with it from there. We will obviously use our money to pay for the, the closing the property purchase. We'll also handle all the due diligence, all the research on the property. We'll pay for any expenses associated with that due diligence could be a perk test could be a survey we just did some lot clearing we just did some driving yeah we do all that stuff path clearing for people to see it like there's sometimes it's big expenses that we pay for yep exactly yes i physically was just paying this morning that's why (laughs) they're top of mind for tens of thousands of dollars in this type of stuff yeah Mm -hmm. pretty much how that the thing with that is that you can build up a big team. Like if you want to scale your business, you can build up your own big team. Mm-hmm. But most people are opting to do partner with Pete so they don't have to build up the team. They can use our team. And, and they use just our keep, money. Ex- and use our money, yeah. Mm-hmm. And just start bring, just keep bringing the deals in. Yeah. Now the cool part is that after we handle the transactions, we handle the marketing and get an agent to resell it for us and all the negotiation, everything that goes along with it. Then when it sells, we split the profits 50-50. So you make half the profit, we make half the profit, the coolest part about that, though, is that there is, you know, we're talking about negative deals and things like mm-hmm. this today. If a property loses money, you as the investor, you don't lose any money. There's no downside. It's mm-hmm. not like we come after you and say, oh, you owe us half of this loss. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. If we lose, if we agree to fund the deal and we lose money on the deal, all of that loss is on us. It's not on the investor at all. So, and, so yeah. basically it's a risk free investment, which is where you're going to find that. Right. You don't have to um, you're not going to be spending any money towards right. it. Right. Thank yep. you for that. Yes. A last question from um, Matthew Perry, who probably has had a tough few weeks with having that name. Pricing land. Hey, y'all. Back again. So I've been playing around with the uh, P 
PRYCD and the research capabilities are awesome. I had them price a list at 40% based on the sold to for sale ratio. The numbers it came back with are more than what I would estimated based on looking at the uh, sold listings. I'm newer than new. So how do I know if I am off or if um, priced is? Thank you. I don't know how else to figure it out. That's what we're here for. Yep. First of all, in the training program, we go extensively into, into how to do that that pricing process manually. It's it's uh, it takes a little bit of effort to to figure it out, but it's you can get it. You get a feel for it too. By the way, the more you do it, exactly. It's it's repetitions. Mm-hmm. Price is a good tool, I think, for residential subdivisions. Don't you want to see PRY? Oh, okay, <laughs> PRYCD. Um, <laughs> It's a good tool for pricing on, on red, residential subdivisions. I'm not a big fan of it if you're going to use it to price rural properties because you could have three 10-acre properties on one street. They're all going to have wildly different values. One may be woodland. One may be farmland. One may be wetlands. And then there's other ones that may be combinations of all three of those factors. So they're going to have wildly different values, uh, but they're not looking at any of that stuff. It's just an automated model, which is just looking at 10 acres sold for this amount mm-hmm. in this area. So, and they base all their pricing off of that. So, you know, in residential subdivisions where all the lots are the same, I mean, that, that kind of makes sense. And that I can see how that, that pricing uh, would work, but for the larger properties, it's, there's just too many variables. So that's why it's good to, to really go into the, the details, I think, and do it manually. Mm-hmm. There's only so much that, I mean, as AI gets more advanced, there will be changes. Yeah. It'll be ta- able to take into you know, yeah. topography, it'll be a lot of things will come into it. But for right now, just think what can if you didn't have a thinking brain and it was just based off of, you know, looking at, at fact like that, it, it, that's the limitations. Yeah, exactly. Well, great episode today, Heather. Yeah. We talked about all the negative stuff in real estate investing. I need but. you to tell everyone where they can find you online, please. Oh, please. Uh, if you are interested, if you look on social media and you like following different accounts, please consider <laughs> following Partner with Pete at Partner with Pete. That's uh, my Instagram, TikTok handle. So yeah, you share lots of stuff like this. And and I keep pushing him to share more like behind the scenes because he's pretty much working all the time and doing different things. I'm like, you need to show exactly what goes into it. So yep. I'll keep working on that. And 2024, then, I'm going to be doing it. Really? Uh, yeah. You heard it here, f- here first, folks. <laughs> yes. And then also our YouTube channel. We've got a lot of stuff on our YouTube channel. It's just at Turning Profit. If you're listening to this, just go to YouTube and type in at Turning Profit and you'll see everything on our channel. There are like 600 something videos on there now. Yeah. And we always want to know what you guys want to know about. It helps us deliver and, and bring the best stuff. So go ahead and message Pete that information. Yes. <laughs> Especially um, anything negative. That's okay. he's your man. No, yes. just kidding. But so is this our last episode for 2023 yes maybe? i think it will be so the next wow. one will be 2024 yeah well Big things have, happening have um a good new year's and we'll see you in the new year i'll see you next year we'll see you next year okay <laughs> bye. all right bye do you remember when you were a kid and you'd say that yeah. like see you next year yeah i was saying it's, it's so funny leaving school <laughs> yes you thought you were so cool ready to start turning profit yourself head to turningprofit.com to step up your real estate investing game see you on the next episode